Well, good morning. It's good to have you here this morning and worshiping together uh, with us. Hey, I just, I know that we mentioned this uh, at the beginning, but uh, I just want to uh, take a time just to, this is Veterans Weekend, and I just really think that it would be an awesome, awesome time. Um, if you feel comfortable as a veteran that has served in our country in that way, if you would please stand and and we want to just acknowledge you and just say thank you. We're grateful for your service and your time, okay? I love it when they stand and they look across the room and start pointing at each other and being able to say, hey, uh, brother, I, I, we're, we're still there for each other. Well, so uh, my name is Brian Klein. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And as you know, we have, we have a new interim pastor. His name is uh, Pastor Randy. And uh, um, when, when you have an, uh, and Pastor Randy uh, used to, or still does, do some mentoring for Adrian and uh, working together now. And so when you get together with these guys that have uh, been together for a while, you kind of hear some stories and learn some things about each other. And I heard a story about one day that uh, Pastor Randy and Adrian, when he was getting mentored by Pastor Randy, um, they were walking uh, through a field and, and out in the pasture land, and they were walking along, and uh, all of a sudden, they saw this huge bull. And they started looking at each other, and uh, they said, you know what? We better get out of here. And so they started running, and instantly they turned and started running, and this bull came chasing after them. And the bull was coming up quickly behind him, and Adrian, you know, is fleet of foot, and he's quick, but this bull was even a little faster. It became apparent that they weren't going to make it to the fence in time. So Pastor Randy thought this is a great time to teach Pastor Adrian, Adrian some things about prayer. And so he said, hey, Adrian, you better put up a prayer quickly. Adrian hollered back, prayer? I've never said a prayer in a situation like this before. Pastor Randy said, doesn't matter. I don't care. You need to speak a prayer quickly. Adrian all startled and everything out of breath. He said, okay, I'll say the only prayer that I've heard my father pray at the table. And he quickly said, oh, Lord, for what we are about to receive, make us truly grateful. Now, just so you know, that really didn't happen, okay? And um, I'm probably going to pay for it this next week uh, from both of them. But uh, these next few weeks, we are uh, going to be speaking on a series called uh, Thanksgiving That Lasts. We're going to look at the beautiful time of year where we take and slow down and we reflect upon just the many blessings that God has done for us in this past year. Today we're going to be looking at uh, the power of a grateful heart. The power of a grateful heart. The power of being grateful. And then we're going to look at generosity, and then we're going to look at contentment as well. And today as we begin, as we start looking at the power of gratefulness, I don't know about you, but for me there are times when my spirit of being grateful can easily uh, be neglected. 
because I get focused on what I lack rather than the blessings that I have. Has that ever happened to you? And sometimes I need a reality check to be able to stop and think about all that I have. And I received an email oh, about a couple months ago that really did speak to me in that way, really addressed uh, my uh, getting myself refocused in the spirit of gratefulness. Just wanted to share a couple of statistics with you in regard to that. One of the ones that really stuck out to me was this. 93% of the world's population doesn't own a car. Makes me think how I get all bent out of shape when my car breaks down. All of a sudden I get grumbling, complaining because my car's in the shop and I'm inconvenienced just for a little bit, even though I may have a second car to have to take care and to get me around. Or someone had once told me, he said, you think about how many people don't own a home, but how many people own, have a home for their car? How many people would love to be able to sleep in the garage that we put our car in? Isn't that a humbling thought? Another statistic said this, 1% of the people of the world own a computer. I know maybe for all of us, that's hard to believe. Everybody owns a computer. Everybody has an iPhone. Everybody has an iPad. Everybody has an iPod. But only 1%. And when all of a sudden that computer that you have, that laptop you have when you're working on something, all of a sudden that little processing wheel is up there and going real slow. How grateful are we at that moment? How quickly we are to get grumbling and complaining about the conveniences we have. Then I saw that the, this one really got to me. It says if you're Annual income is at 25000 a year, gross income. You make over 90% of what the world's population makes. 25000 If you make over, over 50000 a year, you make more than 99% of the world's population. Kind of humbling, isn't it? Kind of reality check. It almost is almost hard to believe, to really think about that. But the spirit of gratefulness is ultimately about our view of God. And when we hit a hard time, it also reveals what's in our heart as well. When we are satisfied, our needs are met, we have more, more of a tendency when things are going smooth, we have a tendency to forget that we are dependent on God and, and we, we lose our grateful hearts. Because it's easy to think about what we are accomplishing, right? 
It's easy to think about what we, what I'm doing to make myself successful, what I'm doing to have what I have, and totally forgetting about the very fact that everything that you have and every ability that you have to do what you do all comes from the very gracious, loving hand of our good, good Father. In John chapter 6, we're going to look at a miracle of all miracles. In fact, it's one of the miracles that's recorded in all four of the Gospels. It's a miracle that many of you probably have talked about or joked about at some time in your life. It's, it's the feeding of the 5,000. You probably talked about that when you were running short of food at a banquet and you were hoping that it would multiply for you. But what I want us to look at this as we look at the, uh, John chapter 6. We're going to look at it through, through the lens of a few of the characters in the story. But we're also going to get to the very key teaching moment that Jesus wanted all of us to understand about why he was doing this miracle. And so the very first thing I want us to see is that Jesus sees and knows our every need. Jesus sees and knows our every need. If we look at John chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, we pick up the story here. And in John 6, it says, After Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd was following him, and because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. And Jesus went up on the mountain and there sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. And lifting up his eyes then, seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus turns to Philip, one of Jesus' mentors, and says to them, to Philip, Philip, where are we going to buy bread so that these people may eat? Now, it's very interesting. Up until this chapter, in chapter 6, Jesus had been meeting a lot of people's needs. If you look at chapter uh, 4 and 5, you would see headings on, on some of the paragraphs of your Bible of, of various healings and various ways that Jesus was meeting the needs of people's lives. And time and time again, more people just kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. And Jesus had his team that he was working with, his, his disciples, they say in Scripture, they were kind of like a, a mentor team that Jesus had. And he could see that they were getting tired, as well as he was. And as Jesus does at all times, he kind of says, you know, it's time to, to pull away. It's time to rejuvenate ourselves. Think about where you want to go when you want to rejuvenate and get away from the chaos and the hecticness of life. What Jesus does, what most of us like to do, he, he jumped into the boat and went across uh, the Sea of Galilee, and then he went up into the mountain. 
A lot of us like to go up to the Rocky Mountains if we want to just get away and just sit in the Rocky Mountains and, and just enjoy uh, at a time of rejuvenation and relaxing and, and recharging of ourselves. It's nothing better than that. And so as he was sitting there with the disciples, and they just sat down, he looks down and he sees this large crowd. And in some translations, it says a large multitude. Five, over 5,000 people. Starting to come up the mountain toward them. Now let me ask you what you would have done. Tired, weary, wanted to some, have some time to yourself. I know what I would have done. I would have probably said, hey guys, hey, let's kind of jet out of here real quick. There's a bunch of people come. Let's try to find another place. They don't know where we're at. But not Jesus. He looks at this multitude, and all of a sudden he starts seeing a need that they have that they don't really realize that they have a need of at the moment. These 5,000 plus people were coming up the mountain because they wanted to experience what Jesus had been doing for days. They wanted to see Jesus do more healings. But Jesus looked down and he said, there's a need in their life that we need to, to meet that I don't see that they recognize. And isn't that wonderful that Jesus sees our need before we know that we even have the need? You think about it this past year. If you take some time and look back through the past year, did, did this year really become the year that you thought it would be? The journey that came your way, the challenges that, that hit you and, and broadsided you and maybe brought you to your knees and maybe gave you a sucker punch in the gut and took the wind out of you and you're wondering where in the, world, in the world's going on and Jesus said, you know what, I know. I knew that need was coming before you need know the need was there. And the interesting thing it says in this verse that he said to Philip, where are you to buy the bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test Philip because he knew what he would do. Jesus already knew that he was going to meet the need before the need was even known. And isn't that a wonderful thought? That Jesus knows your need before you know it. As he sees you journey in your life and in your pursuit of him, he's already seeing the deeper need in your life that he needs to address, rather than the surface need that we think we always have to have. In fact, 1 Peter 5, 6 says this, Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. You ever had those moments this past year where you got anxious? In those moments that you just didn't know what you were going to do with the circumstance that you were in? Those moments when all of a sudden you were saying, this is bigger than me, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. And Jesus says, I know the need that you need. Just cast it upon me and I'll care for you. And I'll help you meet that need. Oh, if we just turn our eyes away from the text this morning and think of yourself this past year, Jesus seeing you deeper in the deep areas of your life. You know, there's a time of the year where we need to say, Jesus, I want to thank you. Jesus, I want to thank you that in my pursuits in life, 
You see the deeper part of my need before I see it myself. That you're that kind of a savior. You're, that, you're, you're, you're the savior of my life. You're the friend of my life that knows the deeper part of what I need before I even know that I need it. And Jesus sees the potential need of the people, but he also gives an opportunity for a few of his team to learn that the spirit of gratefulness is ultimately about our view of God and also about learning something about our own heart. And he sees this as a great moment to the disciples and he and to learn about themselves and about the greatness of God. And so he turns to Philip and he says to Philip this question, Philip, where do we buy Fred so that these people may eat? And Philip, being the mentor, wanted to learn and do what the, his, his, his uh, teacher wanted to teach him, immediately went to work. He went to task. And I imagine that Philip was around there counting all the heads, counting them. He's going, man... Looks like we got about 5,000 men here. And then there's wives and there's little kids. Oh, my goodness. And then he's, he started tallying and he started calculating what it would take to go buy food to feed this group. And here's an important truth to consider at this moment. Jesus knew what he was going to do. But he wanted to have the disciples troubleshoot on their own first. You know, sometimes we have the need that comes before us, and we always say to ourselves, God, why can't you just take me out of this situation now? And God says, no, there's something deeper I want you to learn about who I am in your life. And so I'm going to let you kind of wrestle through this a little bit. He's not being mean. He's not being unfair. He's not being unloving. He's being very loving because he wants to show and reveal the very character of your heart to be able to understand the greatness of who God can be in your life. So our limits sometimes, and most time, when we come to a point when we are limited, grant us opportunity for God's greatness to be revealed. Look at verses 5 through 7. Philip answered him. He comes to Jesus. Okay, Jesus, I got it all figured out. Okay, I've been calculating here, and this is what I've come up with. It's going to take 200 denarii worth of bread. 200 denarii worth of bread would not even be enough for each of them to get a little. And you may say, well, what in the world's 200 denarii? 200 denarii, a denarii would, you would get paid a, a denarii a day. An average person would get paid a, a denarii a day. So it would be one day's pay, okay? Let's just put it that way. One day's pay. So Philip is saying it's going to take 200 of them. So you got one day's pay, and it's going to take 200 of those. So that's 200 days of work. That's eight months, seven to eight months of work. To even come close, to even give them a sample platter of food. Just a little bit. Just a morsel. And so what Peter Philip concluded was this. He concluded, Jesus, I figured it all out. 
what I can do seems to be insufficient and inadequate. What I can do here, I don't have the, I'm insufficient to do and I'm inadequate to meet the challenge. It's just impossible the way I figure it, Jesus, for us to buy the food. It'd be like going to Cashway, right? Be going to Cashway and you're saying, I'm picking up some bread for a banquet of 10 to 15,000 people. And they hand you the receipt and you're thinking it's going to be a little cater receipt and the dollar amount looks like your W-2 form of gross income. That's what Philip was dealing with. And he says, it's impossible. I can't do it. Now listen, this past year you may have faced some challenges and you have probably sat down and said, how in the world are we going to make it through this situation? How are we going to take care? I've looked it over, and as far as I can figure, this is impossible. I don't know how I'm going to navigate through the situation with what I have. As far as I can figure, Jesus, what I do seems insufficient. What I do seems inadequate to remedy the situation. And God is basically, Jesus is basically saying, you're almost there now. This is where I want to teach you. This is the moment that I have you ready to be able to show something of my greatness. Because it's not about your sufficiency. It's about my sufficiency for you. And so, Philip was downcast, and Andrew catches wind of this. It says in the passage here, Andrew comes up and he says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Have you ever been that kind of a brother? It's kind of like, hi. Oh, yeah, you're so-and-so's brother. They don't know who you are, but they know that you belong to another brother, okay? Andrew lived under the shadow of Simon Peter. But Andrew does what Andrew always has done. If you go to the early part of the Gospel of John, Andrew goes and he becomes part of this this ministry team with Jesus, okay? And Jesus asks him to be a part of this team that he wants to have these guys travel with and he's going to help prepare them to do ministry for him. And Andrew becomes and he learns about Jesus and Andrew says, just a minute, Jesus. And he goes and he gets his brother, Simon Peter. And he runs to Simon Peter and says, Simon, guess what? I found the Messiah. Come with me. I want to show you Jesus. And he goes and he brings Simon Peter to Jesus. Andrew's life was always about bringing someone to Jesus. And ladies and gentlemen, that should be our life as well. And so Andrew goes out into the crowd, and he, he peruses this large crowd, and I don't know what he's doing. I'm not sure exactly how he's going about it, saying, hey, do you have a lunch with you? Hey, do you have a little extra? I don't know what he's doing. But he ends up coming across a little boy. A little boy who, as he journeys over, he finds a little boy that has a basket. And he, and he talks to the little boy. And he says, what do you have there, son? He says, I have my lunch. It's my lunch. And Andrew said, could I see what you have in your lunch? 
He opens it up and he looks in and he's five barley cakes of bread and two fish. Whew, that had to smell good, right? That had to smell really good. And, and Andrew looks at this and he says, come with me. Bring your lunch with me. I want to bring you to Jesus. And so he takes this little boy with his lunch and he says to Jesus, Jesus, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. And then he says a statement like this, but what are they for so many? Basically, Andrew says, this is all who I could find that would have some lunch. But Jesus, I know, you're looking for more like 5,000 breadsticks and 5,000 fish. I know, that's what you're asking for. But all I can find is this. What is this for so many? And basically what Andrew was saying, he says, what I have, dear Jesus, what I have here in my hand, seems so insignificant and so inadequate. You ever come to a point this past year where you felt what you had was insignificant and inadequate? And you just didn't know how, what, you, what you did have could ever be used? And it, so both Philip and Andrew have come to a point to themselves where all of a sudden they were to realize that they had limited resources, right? All I can do is insufficient and inadequate. Jesus, all I have is insufficient and inadequate. They were feeling helpless. They were feeling hopeless. And trying to be the good students of their teacher, trying to find the answer to the problem. And standing before them was the answer all the time. And it was Jesus. They left Jesus all out of the equation. They left Jesus all out of the situation, except Andrew brought the boy to Jesus. You see, they were seeing their limits. And when they saw their limits, it granted them the open opportunity to experience something deeper a deeper understanding about the greatness of God and the greatness of their leader, Jesus, and what he was going to do. I don't know about you, but there are times where I, my heart has been revealed to realize that when it comes to surface, when I focus more on what I lack, and I quickly lose perspective of what I have. When you are so looking at, I don't have enough money, but thank you, God, that I have some money. Or I don't have enough food, but thank you, God, for the food I do have. When we all of a sudden start thinking about what we lack, this is what Romans 1.21 says. Romans 1.21 says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they knew God, 
They did not honor God or give thanks to Him. When we live a life of ungratefulness, and we don't spend time thanking God for what He has done and what He has provided for us, automatically that verse says we will become futile in our thinking. We'll become empty in our thinking. And we'll go down a pointless way and our hearts will become darkened because we'll be focusing on what we think we're lacking and not appreciating what we have. That's a heavy, heavy thought, isn't it? Gratitude, silence, grumbling. Gratitude, silence is grumbling. I want you to hear a story. A story of a, a, a young boy. His name is Ian. And Ian is from Kenya. And Ian became a part of the Compassion International Ministry. And I want you to hear a story about little Ian, but I also want to hear uh, the story from Logan's point of view. Logan Fong, young lad, when he was, I just talked to the dad after the first service, he said Logan was doing a paper route to help take care of this. That's how it all started. And then he kept on doing it through high school, and now he's in college, and he's still doing it. And there's this beautiful little dialogue that happens between Logan and Ian. Ian is in Kenya. Logan here is in Kearney, Nebraska. And I want you to hear the dialogue of the letter back and forth between Logan and Ian. Uh, my name is Logan Fong. Uh, I'm currently a senior at UNL. Um, so I started sponsoring Ian when I was in, when I was about eight years old. Um, so I would get letters from him occasionally. Um, so one of the letters that he wrote me said, "Hello, greeting in Jesus' name for you from your sponsor child Ian. He says he is fine and his family is also. He says he underwent an operation on his left leg on the 10th of June in 2008. Uh, and he says the operation was successful." Uh, he's now using crutches to walk, and he's not having any pain. He's grateful to God, and his request is that you pray for him and pray for his family also. Uh, he is grateful for your support. Ian says that through your support, the hospital bill was cleared. Uh, and he says thank you. Uh, so I think just seeing that through a small sacrificial giving on my end, um, Ian was able to have this surgery on his legs, uh, something that he needed. Uh, then about a month later, he wrote me as well and said, uh, your sponsor child, Ian, sends greetings to you. He says he is well together uh, with his other family members. His legs are now okay, and he plays with the other boys. says he runs and plays football, which is his favorite game. Uh, Ian says, thank you for your continuous support, um, and may God bless you. So, yeah, I think just in the last few years I've been sponsoring Ian, yeah, just seeing the small support on my end. Um, but just the big impact that it can have on his world. Do you hear a repeated phrase that Logan was saying? He said, just on the small support on my end. I just sacrificed a small part. I just, I just was grateful and I wanted to help, help him out. And Logan saw a little boy and he took the little boy into his life and into his heart. And at eight years old, he started a paper route, and he was using part of that paper route to help sponsor 
Ian. Now listen, Jesus knew the very needs that Ian needed. And Jesus knew that Logan was part of that meeting of that need. And also that Ian would need surgery. And Logan not knowing. I mean, if it was like to Logan, Logan, would you help pay for Ian's surgery on his leg? Logan would automatically say, I've crunched the numbers. I figured it out. There is absolutely no way. I'm inadequate, and I'm, it's totally insufficient. I can't do that. But what Logan did say is, Jesus, here's what I do have. I do have, and I, what I have is $38. And I'm going to sponsor little Ian with $38, and I'm going to be faithful with that. And I'm going to be grateful as I give it. I'm going to watch what you do with that, God. And all of a sudden, this story comes back to Logan that because of Logan's gift that seems so inadequate all of a sudden provided Ian with an opportunity to heal in his leg and to run and kick soccer. And maybe our recruits from Nebraska will go and bring him here. We need help. We need help, Ian. But you know, when, G- when Andrew brought the little boy to Jesus... I, I, I just pictured this. I pictured Andrew bringing the little boy and Jesus getting on his knees with that little boy. And he says, son, let me see what you have. And the little boy hands Jesus the basket. And Jesus opens it up and he sees five barley cakes and two fish. And he looks up at the little boy. And he, I bet you he had this biggest smile on his face. And he said, as he looked in there and he said, son, this is perfect. This is perfect. This is all that I need. And he took that little basket and he took the bread in that basket and he gave thanks to it, it says, and then he handed it out. And as he gave thanks and he handed it out, he kept handing a barley loaf and a barley loaf and a barley loaf and a barley loaf. And I'm sure the little boy's kind of like going. (laughs) Trying to figure out where this is all going. And Jesus taught the disciples his team, and that little boy, and you and I, that if we are grateful for that which we have, and we go and we bring it to God with grateful hearts, and we let Jesus have it with gratitude, that Jesus can take it and we step aside and we watch what Jesus does. And through the rest of the passage, it said that they handed out those barley cakes Till all of them were filled to the full. They were absolutely filled. It was like the Olive Garden experience. 
unlimited breadsticks and fish till you got full. And then Jesus said to this. He said, I want to show you something. And he sends the guys out and he says, would you collect the fragments? Would you collect the leftovers? Because I want to have a take-home box of food left over. And they went out and they collected the fragments. And one by one, they started coming from the, the crowd. One by one, they started coming up and they started laying the fragments in their to-go boxes at the basket. And the little boy is standing there and he's looking and he's going, oh my goodness. Wow. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. And he's waiting and he's looking and there's coming one more. One more, two more are coming down. And he sees that which is left over, that which was more than enough than what he gave to Jesus. And Isaiah is coming now. And he's coming as a demonstration that Jesus will meet you at the very need of where you're at. Isaiah, thank you, brother. Thank you for participating with us this morning. Amen. You see, Isaiah didn't know, and neither did Charles or Kristen know that life was going to hit you and blindside you. But Jesus knew the very need of what they were going to need to make it through and to do what they're doing today. In our limited of resources, and we come to a point where we run out and we don't have it all, Jesus says, you give it to me and there'll be more than enough. More than enough. I'll give it back to you in abundance, just as it did for Logan, because Logan's heart is filled now when all of a sudden he says, all I was doing is sacrificing just $38 a month. I wasn't going out maybe twice a month so I could pay for this boy to have support. You know, $38 a month, I'm just not going out to eat once or twice a month, and I'll take care of that little boy, and that little boy can now run, and the little boy can enjoy Playing soccer, little Ian. Ladies and gentlemen, it says in verse 23 that a whole day had passed in chapter 6. And it said the day had passed by. And in verse 23 it says, Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread. And you would think that they would have gone on to talk about with five loaves in two fish, but he doesn't. Came to the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. If there's anything to learn from the feeding of the 5,000 that Jesus wanted us to learn, was to be thankful for, the, for that which has been given to us. 
Let Jesus have what you have and then step out of the way and let Jesus return it back and to meet the needs that are before you. There was probably a sign, a monumental historical marker at the shore of the Sea of Galilee that looked like this. On the shore of Tiberias, power being grateful after giving 5,000 fed, giving thanks, 5,000 are fed with five loaves and two fish. Listen, next week we are going to have compassion experience here. It's an opportunity for you to sign up and go through the tour there, but something bigger is going to happen next Sunday. Something way bigger than walking through and being able to hear the stories of children in in poverty-stricken countries. But what's going to happen next, next Sunday is this, that we have decided we are partnering with Compassion International and we are partnering with them in the country of Colombia. And in Magagangue, Colombia, there's 150 to 200 children waiting, waiting for someone to sponsor them. Waiting for someone that would be willing to say, you know what, from now on, I'm not going to go out to eat once a month. I'm going to take what I use to go out to eat, and I'm going to give $38 to meet the need of a child. And wouldn't it be great that a year after next Sunday that we have a a marker that's up that says this? Historical marker, highlight of Celebration Sunday, the power of being grateful. Over 150 to 200 children sponsored in Magangay, Colombia through Compassion International, alleviating physical and spiritual poverty. Wouldn't that be awesome? that we can make that kind of an impact in that kind of a way in Magangue, Colombia. Listen, today the power of gratefulness is not found in what we lack, but acknowledging what we have and gratefully bringing to Jesus to experience God's powerful work in fulfilling the needs of our life and the life of others. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the story and the miracle of feeding of 5,000. Each and every one of us can sit here and we can say, yes, I have needs as well. And Jesus, you're going to meet them right where they are. You know their needs before they knew. You know the deepest part of their needs before they even recognized the deepest part of their need. And you are our strength and you are our help and ever-present help in time of need. You are our supplier. You're our provider. And we are grateful to you. And I pray that today our hearts would be overwhelmed with gratitude and gratefulness for all that you have done for us. And we would come to you and say, you know what? What I have is inadequate and insufficient, but I am grateful for what you've done. And I give it to you, Jesus, with a gratitude of heart. And then you take it, and we watch what you do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.